What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are just super excited about the podcast. Not that we're not excited other days, but we hinted at the last one that we had something kind of really cool and big, and we weren't sure if it was going to work out. And Gemini, did it work out? It totally worked out. I'm so excited. This was something that we had been hoping to do for a while and for the stars to align and for us to get to do this, especially like in quarantine, is just truly the most exciting. Yeah, today we have with us Tony Pula from the WDA, from the World Divination Association. So I know you've heard us talk about the WDA and some of you even went to the WDA virtual conference, but... I wanted to have a founder here. She, she's so much more than just a founder. So enough of us. Let's just say hi to Tony. Thank you, Tony, for taking some time to talk to us. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so I am here speaking with Tony Pula, who, well, first of all, just so you know, I have a whole, my first page is just everything you do. Like, this is insane, okay? So for people who don't know, she wears many hats. And I think that I'm missing some. So you're going to have to fill them in. Founder of the World Divination Association. Yes. Author, because you have a book on Kipper, and you're also featured many times in Cartomancy Magazine. Correct. Am I missing anything else from that? From being an author, what else have you written? From the written word. Yeah. I have obviously written the Car Geeks guide to Kippa, but I have also been in the Esoterical, which is also, it's a UK cartomancy magazine. The cartomancer, I am in quarterly with different uh, systems. And I think that's about it. For now. For now. I do have things under the surface that I am not talking about. Okay. But uh, <laughs> if we do this in a year's time, we'll have more to talk about. Oh, then we have to. You so that's just two of the things. Next, deck creator or collaborator, because I know you don't actually do the drawings, but they are your decks. I mean, you did work with the artist to absolutely. So it's for I. I found two artists. One I did the Kipper deck with, and the second I did the Gypsy card deck with, and I gave them specific requirements. And they came back and both worked within my style, how I... They were both amazing girls, actually, who came back and could then put into imagery what I was wanting to see. Yeah, they're fantastic. I'm going to be featuring them on uh, Instagram so people can see them. So, okay, I'm still not done. She is a teacher, so you can find her as The Card Geek, and that's everywhere. Her website, YouTube... Um, Instagram, Facebook, Udemy, the World Divination Association. Um, where am I, what else am I missing? Where else do you teach? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're my main platforms for now. Okay. Um, so, and obviously, if she's written books, that means she's a, she's a diviner and cardomancer. So here we go. Tarot, Kipper, Pendulum, Gypsy, Lenormand. What am I missing? I also teach psychic development. I teach Ho'oponopono and different sides of spirituality as well. 
I like to keep the cartomancy and the spiritual side a little bit separate so people can then choose which way suits them best. But I focus mainly on the 36 card decks of the Gypsy, Lunamon and Kippa. Tarot, of course. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I got a lot of them. You're a mom, you're a wife. That's a full-time job right there. And yes, <laughs> and you just produced, and I'm going to take a leap and call it the first annual virtual divination <laughs> conference. No pressure, just, you know, no, but it was a, a virtual divination conference with over 40 presenters over not just a weekend. It started out that way, but then it went on throughout the week, which was fantastic. Um, the thing about everything I do is that it seems to morph into something larger. So I start off with this spark of an idea and then suddenly it morphs into the, the biggest thing you can even think of. And then I have to figure out how to actually manage it, achieve it. <laughs> well, you have a great staff because those women were yes. just working nonstop and so much Absolutely. fun to work with. Um, yes. They're just good people. So um and then, you know, I don't know when you sleep, but I also know you're a comic book enthusiast, right? You like? Yes. Yes. And, I love Marvel. Yep. And uh, British comedy. <laughs> well, of course. Where am I from? I have a, health, a healthy humor. British humor. I think that's where I, I started to fall in love with you was like you would write things on social media and I'm like, I remember my first comment was like a black adder comment. I was like, you know, cunning plan or something like that. And then I mentioned something else. And you said to me, are you sure you're not British? Um, because all these shows, like in America, there are people who watch them, but not everybody knows them. And like Red Dwarf, I felt like nobody knew that I was just like alone on this island who watched Red Dwarf. So honestly, Red Dwarf was a defining part of my life. I remember being in my parents' bedroom on a really small TV, a black and white TV, and it was the first show ever and the music came on and that was it. This was me. This was my teenage life. This was going to define everything I did going forward. It was that huge moment where you just feel time shifting <laughs> and you just feel so comfortable and think, yes, this is my thing. I found my thing. And that was Red Dwarf for me. Oh, that's awesome. For me, it was The Young Ones. Yeah, The Young Ones. I think I was a, I, I've watched, obviously, all of The Young Ones, but I watched them then later on because I think I was a little bit too young at the time. And then I appreciated it more as I grew up. And obviously, Faulty Towers, I mean. Yeah. Who cannot? Yeah. And I think for a lot of people here, it, start, it all started with Monty Python, which is so weird because, mm -hmm. you know, as a kid, I just thought these shows were coming out from England right then when I was watching them, not realizing, um, I think they started before I was even born, but you know, kids just think, oh, this is an 80s show. No, it's not an 80s show. It's not a 90s show. This show came out in the 60s, so. Um. But I remember when we, cause we only used to have a couple of TV uh, programs and then we suddenly got four channels. And I think it was then that things started to play over and over again. So as I was growing up, that's when you saw this. On a, on a Saturday, I used to spend it at my nan's house on a Saturday. I used to watch things like Magnum on a Saturday. So it's probably the other way around for us that we we saw things that were happening, obviously, over there as well. I remember that um, I was in London over the summer the year that one of the channels went 24 hours. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember being with my friends and we all clapped because being from America, we're used to like <laughs> the channels going. So we're like, oh, wow, we have something to watch late at night. So. <laughs> so is there anything else in your resume that I, I left out before we continue? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't actually keep a tab on everything that I do. Everything has morphed of its own accord starting with the the kipper book for example i moved to munich and then found the kipper deck that was 12 years ago now so it's almost like things stumble upon my path and then i take up from there and it's a a momentum in me that i have to do this thing and i have to do it now Mm. and so i don't really see it as a resume of things just it's, it's a part of my life that's evolved. So my first question was going to be, how did you first begin your divination path? Was it with Kipper? No, divination. Oh, okay. uh, divination. I. Where do you start? <laughs> when you come from a, and you consider the weird kid in a family, where does it start? My... <laughs> I can't even there is <laughs> so many things growing up that led me to it I can remember astral traveling at a really young age for example but then when I truly focused on my development and wasn't just morphing along was in my 20s in Newcastle in the UK and I actively then started working with a pendulum. I actively started going to a spiritualist church and my divination kind of evolved from there. So it was something that I always had in me and always saw around me, but it wasn't until I kind of calmed down in myself that I started focusing on it. And that was really with the pendulum probably starting. Okay, wow. You're very well versed in many systems. Um, I was interested, something you said in your Kipper class, which was you learned it from older people, like you just were hanging out with older people. And then you just mentioned now you kind of, it, it came on your path. Yes. So I think the thing with, if, if I think back to events in my life where I have moved from one situation to the next, it has come little things along my path like I once had a guinea pig I had a guinea pig I love my guinea pig I had him for 11 years he was my life and I was walking back from the vets one day and he was super ill and in my path was a woman who was completely head to toe in purple in a a lilac color and she just looked at me and she said he's going to be all right and it's just these little moments where you feel that time stops and then your journey moves on and shortly after that I started with the pendulum and I started going to spiritualist church and I think it's these little little events that have then stopped me and I've thought about it and I've thought okay then we're doing this now so it's it's morphed into a different journey and different styles of divination have fallen into my path like uh, I am an aromatherapy person (laughs) I once moved in with a lady who was an aromatherapist and a spiritual healer and that was just 
a catalyst then for me looking more into that line of life. So I don't know, things find me. I I like the older generation. I seem to collect the older generation in my life. And it's, I don't know, they tell me stories of their life and that somehow then changes something within me or gives me the spark of inspiration of the next step in the path. That's awesome. Now, did your family go to a spiritualist church or did you just find it on your own? Or My family, we didn't, we used to go to church when I was younger, a Methodist church, I believe. And, but we, we were never anything regular. My mom was born Catholic and it, it just, we, we didn't really do much. But then as I grew older, I then sought that area. I, 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 I feel comfortable in churches, for example, and not necessarily to go see a mass, but to go somewhere spiritual where I can sit and collect my own thoughts. So it was more of a natural, again, the word morph, I don't know why it's coming up so much today, but a natural morph into a situation. Oh, that's awesome. Is there a system you want to learn? Like, is there a system that you've ever said, oh, you know, I really, at some point I have to do this? Honestly, yes and no. Because I have my, I'm I'm so happy with Gypsy. Gypsy Kaz, I'm so happy with Kipper, I'm so happy with Lenormand. I would love to put more time into Le Grand Jeu Lenormand, which is the big cards. I would love to put more time into Sibia, but I just don't have, I don't have that portion of time to put into it at the moment. Right. Well, it'll find you. If all the others yeah. have found you, there'll be a time when you <laughs> go, it's true. now this. Yeah. <laughs> So now for somebody who's starting out in divination, which system do you think would you suggest for people? Because I feel like everybody runs to tarot. Like that's like the big, like that's the the Hollywood one. You know, that's the one that everybody knows. But do you think that that's, you know, which one would you say would be a nice one for people to start with who are thinking about getting into divination? Well, with my kids, for example, they are drawn to Lenormand, the symbols. So a symbolic read. So I think the... The language of the Lenormand allows for a a simpler start. I mean, we talk in the same way as we lay Lenormand. So I think rather than jumping into a system like Tarot, where you can find so many teachers who will teach you a different nuance of how to read, I think it's sometimes good just to have a deck yourself, the symbolic deck, and just work from there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what do you wish, what is something that you wish people would unlearn about divination? That's a difficult one. <laughs> There's probably a lot in there. I wish people would unlearn that intuition is more important than actually putting the effort in to learn. Because I think both is needed in order to do service to your clients, for example. And I wish they would 
unlearn sometimes in tarot the placement spreads because it's the tarot can also be used as a language and a narrative storytelling device and i think sometimes the placement spreads uh i don't know they they take you down a particular reading style when it may be a wider message from spirit that's coming in Mm, that's good not that it wouldn't be good but i'm just like wow i never really thought about it that way um we are academic witches on witch space so we have to ask this question Mm -hmm. are there any books that you would recommend on cartomancy in general Mm -hmm. or yeah or divination anything that you feel like oh wow maybe it's a book that's not really looked at and you think more more people should read this book or i actually like untold tarot by kathleen matthews i think it is a book that deserves to be on every tarot reader's uh book case but for a specific reason and that's because i do believe that the right away smith decks etc can be read more tableau style and narratively style so i think that's a good one too it's a recent one as well i think she brought it out the year before last it's a a decent one for the bookshelf all right cool i'll make sure that we also put that up on instagram so people can take a look at it um what do you love the most about teaching or mentoring people? I love how people come out of themselves. I love how the, I don't know, to see how the mind just wanders into a whole new area of, wow, I, I didn't even consider that. I think it's really nice to make, I also, my teaching style is to make people's lives easier when reading. So rather than I, rather than widening a system so that you have a trillion thousand keywords for it, I bring them back to one or two keywords and then really embodying the meaning of that. So you you live and breathe the meaning of that card and then you can understand how it then works in your daily life on so many different levels. Like the Lunamon language, we see so many people having keywords where they put them together to combine them and it really stunts a read if you already have an idea of what a combination is if you bring two cards in that you've truly embodied the meaning of when you merge them together in an answer to your question you then have a very different reading style to before so i like to see people's reading life being made easier but at the same time then them nailing a message that answers the question so here's something what do you say to people who because this is me also by the way when i've taken live courses with you Mm -hmm. i am always so intimidated or even when people say oh you know uh post get a buddy read or whatever you know on facebook yeah and i'm always going okay i can't do this because tony's going to see it and she's going to say what this is wrong like as the teacher how can you put people's minds at ease because i don't know if there's anybody else out there like that but i know when i'm learning from somebody i get so tense about like wanting to get it quote unquote right that sometimes it's hard for me to 
take another live class or want to participate because I just feel like I'm letting somebody down. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? When I'm learning a system. The thing I always say is that reading for other readers is sometimes silly in itself because you as readers we sit down and we have our own intentions we have our own expectations of what those cards are we also have our own values on life that we're bringing to the table so if you sit opposite another reader they could pull the same cards and they could give you a completely different answer to that that I would present and it doesn't mean that that answer's wrong it means that they've answered it to the best of their knowledge with all this baggage that they've brought to the table and I don't mean baggage in a negative way I just mean all their life experience has given them this answer and it doesn't mean that it's a wrong answer in any way it just means that they were that person to ask that question so mm. when a client comes to you they've come to you as a reader for a reason and it's because their read that they're going to get from me is the right read for them and so when it comes to buddy reads and everybody jumping in in lessons everything like that I don't see it as an issue of right or wrong I see it as an issue of the the student learning the information and presenting it, learning how to present it in their own way. So I'm actually looking that a person doesn't say, well, the keyword for that is the keyword for that is, and that's the answer, that the person actually brings themselves to the table, stands by the read and says, this is what I see, this is the read I'm given, the answer I'm giving, and that's what's important it's bringing that self to the table and whether I see it in a different way it really doesn't matter because I didn't lay the cards in the first place I never set the intention in the first place that's on the reader so I have I don't come to the class or the table with any expectations of a right or a wrong read I can give an example of how I would read it but it doesn't mean that that it's right because I haven't asked the question in the first place that's really good to thing to keep in mind because I'm sure I'm not the only one who ever takes a class or maybe doesn't take a class because they feel like I just can't do this so I think that that's definitely going to help people to know that you know, I think from... the, the the thing with cards is and learning cards it should be a really personal journey it should absolutely be I want to do this for me. I don't lay cards just for clients. I have an app on my phone and I'm laying 24-7. There may be little things. I may lay, like Nate, my youngest didn't feel well the other day. So I asked, why didn't he feel well? Was it something he ate? Was he going to sleep well through the night because of it? You know, so it's, it's these little things, these observations that we make with the cards that then we can present to others, but it doesn't have to be the be all and end all of an answer. All right. Thank you. Um, so how did the WDA start, the World Divination Association? That's a really good question. <laughs> I uh, I was teaching at a different school, actually. I was teaching at a school that taught lots of different things. 
And I was focusing on Lenormand. And I think I, it was just when I'd started teaching Kipper as well. And I knew I was in so many f groups on Facebook. And it was hurting me sometimes in the groups on Facebook because there was just this wide thing of keywords and every reader saying a different thing for the Lenormand. And I wanted to go back to Lenormand roots, learn, well, teach from the original instructions. And there wasn't a place for that in my eyes on Facebook. So that's where the word Lenormand Association came up. And then obviously with Kippa, it's like, oh my God, I've started a group with Linneman and now I'm teaching Kippa. So <laughs> it <laughs> morph, it comes in again. It then came into the World Divination Association where it was a, a place for everything. So everything that I love, I can actually teach. And obviously we have some amazing more teachers now. We've, we've grown to have some amazing teachers in all kinds of divination. So it was good that it developed then from just being Lenormand on into everything. Okay. Um, I know you said some things you can't talk about, but do you have any collaborations or projects that you can talk about that maybe you want to tell us? Yes, I have the Siren Song Kipper with Carrie Paris. And Tina Hart is also involved in that. And we've been working on it. Honestly, I, the, Carrie Paris is, as you know, absolutely fantabulous. And I think it was maybe three years ago now that I first had the call with her. I was down here in the basement where I am now. And I had the call with her and I was all like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do a deck. And in between... I've obviously had a lot on my plate. She's had a lot on her plate. Tina's come in as well, and she has a lot on her plate. And it is actually finished. So we just need to arrange a time to release. And it is the sister for the Siren Song, Lenormand. And they work together so that a read with both decks can be completed, a mixed system read with both decks. And it's amazing and Tina helped with the book as well I wrote the book for that and Tina has helped edit it into something that is amazing oh my god that's exciting I don't know if people have the Siren Song Lenormand deck but if you do you know how beautiful it is mm -hmm. and the idea that now oh my god you can work both systems in yes. so any idea time frame when it might come out <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we're, wait was, we're waiting yeah. for the right moon <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping it would be like this summer before i have to go back to work in september so i can spend my entire summer working with this but okay i, I can still get it though <laughs> it will happen <laughs> so i want to talk a little bit about the virtual conference which we mentioned already in the beginning um what made you come up with this idea for the virtual conference i was like most times it was a time in which I was just quiet and I practiced Ho'oponopono and the belief with Ho'oponopono is that as long as you cleanse yourself that inspiration can come in so I was cleansing myself I was sat in the sun cleansing myself and I just had this Ooh, why don't we do a virtual conference? And Jens, my husband, was sat next to me. I said, what do you think of this? And I told him. 
Uh, and he says, do it, do it immediately. So I looked at the calendar and I said, I said, well, with COVID, we're all at home. And with Germany starting to open up again, I said, how quickly should I do it? He said, you should do it now. <laughs> so we, we had three weeks. I said, okay, I'll do it by the end of May. And I had three weeks to pull it together. And within 24 hours, I had sent out emails to potential speakers. And I honestly, all the people that were on, I absolutely love. All the speakers, I absolutely love. And I actually didn't expect people to come back and say, yeah, come on then, let's do it. And we had over 40 speakers. <laughs> And it was unbelievable. We went all the way, as you know, all the way through the night. 48 hours we did of pure divination. All in a Facebook group as well. I mean, we've been working in the Facebook groups for classes, etc. And obviously the members group. But then I thought, well, you know, everybody makes it so complicated. Why don't we just get everybody in a group and we'll just go live? So, and then we had all the fun of speakers who had never been live before <laughs> practicing going live. So we had a two weeks worth of practice going live. And I thought, well, you know, I'm very laid back generally. So I, I thought whatever goes wrong, goes wrong. If someone doesn't go live, doesn't matter. But we managed to get everybody live. <laughs> the practices, I have to admit, were they were funny. Everybody was so funny on there because yeah. everybody had the same look on their faces when it first went on, like this deer caught in the headlights. Yeah. Am I, Am I on? doing this? Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody just jumps in like, hey, hi. I think one of the things that I took away from this, aside from just like all this knowledge, it was just, it was too much, but it was a good too much. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. this is fantastic. Like just bathing your brain in all this knowledge. But that afterwards, so many people, like my Facebook group now, my friends, it's like, it's just expanded and everybody's just so lovely. And like we all, like you knew these people, you knew of these people, but now we're talking to each other on a daily or seeing what each other is doing on a daily. And that's fantastic. I think that's what's made it the nicest for me is that all the speakers, for example, I already knew them, but then to see them in a different light in the practices before, for example, and then when they actually went live and everybody was so enthusiastic about it, I think that was what made it. It was just like a heartwarming, I was almost crying all weekend, seeing these people that I, I actually get on well with and really enjoy having a relationship with suddenly going live and they're going live for me as well because I've asked. I yeah. I spent about 48 hours almost crying. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I think I told you this or I sent you a message on this, but when we plan the podcast, obviously it's changed, right? Mm -hmm. We can't we don't I mean, the way I'm talking to you is the way I talk to Gemini when we yeah. do this. And um so it's different and we had just started interviewing people and we had said, "Well, we'll interview people that are local because we'll go to to them or whatnot." And then we just didn't do anything. And when I saw that the summer solstice is coming around uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, I said, okay, I know who the sun is. I said, it's Tony. It's the Aww. card geek. I said, she brings the sun. Like I've never gone on Facebook or had a conversation with you where I didn't feel better at the end of it. Like it's not, you're just the sun. So I said, that's who we're getting for the summer solstice. That's if so she can nice. do it. 
So when you said yes, I was like, yes, this is it. So yeah, I think I think that's why the groups are so great because you generate that. You know, that's who you are. So people that are going to come to you, they're going to come. Of course, they're going to say yes. Who's going to say no to you? I mean, unless something serious was happening. You know, <laughs> I try I mean, really hard. You know, I think so. The question is, hopefully next year we're not all going to be stuck in our homes. But could there be a, another one next year? I would say the day after the conference, I think I would have given you a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> because it was three weeks of hard work. But we do have a whole year to plan. Yeah. So I think that it would be hard not to. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, I think everybody... Who participated this year? Um, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I will tell you for me, you want me to be on there monitoring, staying up late at night and helping out, you know, like to, yeah. so that you don't have to miss sleep. I think a lot of people would step up and do it. But you, you were right. It was three weeks. So it was you had to have a small group to get it all done. Yes. You couldn't ask everybody to get involved. But if you have a year to plan and then those people who did it this year could be like your leaders that we but all work for. That's what the want, WDA you know? was always meant to be it was meant to be a lead uh, sorry a members-led organization so the the members who come in and who want to become or want to put work into the wda are more than welcome if they want to become a mentor then come in step up if you want to become a teacher there's room for everybody to come up to the door and say look i really want to do this i don't have time to drag people in but I am happy if if somebody comes up to me who says yeah I really want to do this I say come on then let's let's see how we make it work and you know I just want to speak to that also because you know you did ask me to do the witchcraft class and I didn't think you know and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is people should not think well maybe what I have to offer isn't good for the WDA reach out to Tony Just and then she'll it. tell you if it's really, you know, weird or whatever. Because when you asked me, I thought, oh, wow, I would love to do that. But I didn't think the WDA would want witchcraft in there. You know what I mean? I just think divination. I don't think of anything else. So I think it's um, more a case of uh, everybody doing things together. Uh, the conference was the epitome of everything that I ever wanted for the WDA. It's people coming to the table and say, I've got this, let's do it. And going ahead and doing it the teachers that are actually on the wda I, I don't think i've ever pushed anybody to create a course i might have pushed you a little bit when you were yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was talking about that you asked me you know exactly. to do that uh and but it, it really is come on let's all do it together because the, the more we do together the the better we all become true so I think, that, you know, if people, if, if you're listening and you're wondering, um, should I do a class on something that I don't see on the WDA and you're part of the WDA, just reach out to Tony. Absolutely. And if you're not part of the WDA, why not? Everybody's got Facebook and everyone's at home. So check it out because there's going to be something there for everybody. You're going to love it. I've been pushing the World Divination Association a lot. So um, that's the other reason I really wanted you on here because it's like I want people to hear you so they can see why I am so excited about the World Divination Association. Um, so, you know, obviously not now, but when you travel, when you used to travel in our former lives, um, yeah. were there conferences you were really excited to go to? Did you go to a lot of conferences? 
uh, I was actually supposed to be in Sweden in May. Sadly, that was cancelled. And we're, we're moving that to October now. So if anybody's in Sweden and wanting a divination conference, there's a tarot conference in Sweden happening in on the Halloween weekend in oh, October. Wow. Uh, but I was in, obviously, Reader's Studio. I did a uh, Kipper workshop there. And the Tarot Association of the British Isles, I also did the conference with them as well the year before last. Yeah, so yes, absolutely, conferences. But I do think these days that the online world can actually bring us more than there are so many people who would love to go to a conference, maybe don't have the funds, don't have the inclination to travel so far or have responsibilities. I've got two kids who I have to make sure are sorted for the conferences. So I think online is a great way to, I mean, we would never have met one another had we not had the online contact. So I think conferences going forward are going to be a lot about being one online. Yeah, and I think people, you're right, people are realizing that. I think I see my friends more now online yeah. than I did before because you have time. You don't have to think about travel because, you know, I'm not in Manhattan. So most of my friends are because that's where I grew up. So to see each other now, yeah, once a week, where it used to be once a month because you're going to work and you have obligations, like you said, and then it's like, okay, I can't get down there or they can't come up here. Yeah. So people are realizing that um, technology is not the devil. It's not. <laughs> So, I have to ask this class. This class, I have to ask this question um, because this is witch space. Do you consider yourself a witch? No, I don't. But my my mom, I would consider very much so. I I I have my own rituals. I have my own practices. Maybe people call it a solitary witch, but. I maybe have, I don't know, too much Marvel mixed in there and the superhero side of life to consider myself a witch. I, I don't know enough about witchcraft either to profess being a witch. So I'm very much the diviner rather than uh, so, rituals. So why makes you say that you think your mom was or is? Oh, God. Oh, honestly, the ladies in my family, they, if, if you go through my mom's side of the family, there is very much uh, a, I don't know, my mom's family descends from the Irish gypsies. And there are a lot of, how do we say it, rituals that happen without anybody saying anything. So things happen, things are done, but it's never said why they're done. Or <laughs> my mom was talking about when she was a girl and she she used to wear a bag of herbs around her neck and her mom used to give her specific herbs to go in her little bag as she was going. But my, yes, my mom has hand signals and things that uh, <laughs> I am very wary of. <laughs> And she's never wanted to, sh wanted to show you anything? 
she just knows she just does it wow. it's yeah it's more of a I, I i honestly if i was a kid on a bike i wouldn't knock her as i went past <laughs> <laughs> she has a way about it that things happen around <laughs> i love it i love this because i feel like that's the real witchcraft it's not the ceremonies or the things no. that you buy it's it's that it's that's the real magic and and yeah. i love yeah i love talking to people about that people who you know will just you know just start talking like you said the older generation that just does things you know yeah and- now my sister's the same they they both have a a way of making things happen that's awesome mm. okay um anything that you wish i had asked you I don't know. We've talked very, very practical. <laughs> We've also talked on the weirder side of life. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like to dab into both sides. And I think we've managed that. Okay. I, I remember one time we were talking about something about um, cards. And you like to teach with no woo-woo, right? Yeah. This idea that it's, it's beyond anybody. Yeah. And I think that that's a great message that nobody has to feel that they... Because I think some people do feel like, oh, do I have to have a sixth sense about things to read? Or do I have to, you know what I mean, have this other spiritual side? And and I like that you said that you keep, you have a spiritual side, but then there's a the cardomancy side and that you have to keep them separate. Yeah, well, I would, I keep it separate to teach it. I mm-hmm. am an extremely spiritual person on my own. I have developed for constantly just for personal development too. But I am a, a, a daily meditator and very into the astral realms and the uh, other side of life, I always call it. But when I'm teaching, I teach that cards can be used for everything. Cards can be used for prediction. We don't, especially the 36 card decks, we don't need to get all woo-woo. We don't, if somebody's come to my table and they're concerned about what the future is going to bring them, I'm going to explain to them what's going to happen in the future. I'm not going to sit there and start getting all spiritual with them and tell them to sort the chakras out, for example. I'm going to get very practical and say, look, this is going to happen and this is the best way of doing dealing with it if somebody then comes to me and says I want to know how to do energetic work then that's a different conversation altogether and we can talk about that in a separate manner but my my friends that come to me and especially local friends I give them cards as a practical tool. I teach them cards as a practical tool rather than because it's it's super religious here. It's super I live in a very Catholic area and the cards are even in this day and age questioned whether they are of the devil's work or a, a lot of people say oh I just don't want to know. So it I I explain especially when they've got kids because the the moms don't know how to sometimes first time moms don't know how to deal with their children and get them to open up to them and it's a case of well get your kids get a deck of cards and let's have a look at the images together and see what comes into why aren't they sleeping ask your child give them a card 
you know, and get the child then to explain through that card why they aren't sleeping. So I, yes, I'm super weird and spiritual on my terms, I think is the best way of putting it. Love it. Um, that's all I had. I want to thank you so much. Remember, it's the Card Geek. Check her out everywhere. There, I don't. There's not a social media platform that you cannot find, uh, Tony. So the Card Geek is everywhere. Please check her out. Please check out the World Divination Association if you want to know more. If you have questions, you know, send them in to us. You can write directly to Tony. Uh, however you feel comfortable. But um, this has been fantastic. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your love and encouragement because I have loved being a part of the World Divination Association. And I just have one other thing to say. You were going to make a poppet, lady. (laughs) I want one. I want one. I do know I've thought about it every single day since the conference. Seriously, since the conference, every single day, I need to make a poppet. You know, what's funny at the end of witchcraft level one, I, I asked the students, I said, what do you want? And I gave them a list. And one of them was poppets. And they didn't choose poppets. And yet they were on the conference. And those was the people saying, I want a poppet. And I'm, sa- I'm like, oh, now you want a poppet, people? I had a whole class on poppets and you didn't want it. So <laughs> my life will not be fulfilled until I have made that poppet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I want everybody to tag me on those poppets. So yes. thank <laughs> I'm going to tag you. I'm going to make one today. I'm going to find some material. <laughs> I love it. This was so cool. Thank you again so much to Tony for being on the podcast. Thank you, of course, to you guys for listening to us and for giving us the opportunity to do things like that. The next episode of the podcast is going to be our, the beginning of summer reading. Yeah, but last year it went really badly because we chose books that we thought were going to be fun and light and they wound up being horrible. So we've taken a different route to this. Um, the net first summer reading we're going to do is actually TV shows. So I will be watching Sabrina, the new Sabrina, and, uh, you'll be talking about Charmed. And I will be watching Charmed. Now, are you watching the new Charmed or are we going to talk about the old Charmed? I'm asking. I don't care. I was going to talk about the old Charmed. Okay. So for people who haven't seen either, and if you want to watch that before we talk about it, uh, that'd be kind of cool. Oh, that'd be so fun. Yeah. Please watch them and talk to us about them. <laughs> They're both on Netflix. Oh, that's even better. I think Charmed is on Netflix. The old Charmed. Yeah. No, they both are. Yeah. So um, so if you wanted to do that, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. Trying to keep it light um, for summer readings just so that we don't have that awful experience again that we did last time. Um, but if you have ideas, because I know for another summer reading episode, we're going to talk about books, but fiction books, right? Like fun fiction books? Yes. Yeah. So if people have any suggestions for summer reading, you know, please tell us if there's something you want us um, to cover. Yeah. Thank you again for being here and making it worthwhile for us to do what we do. We love you guys. You know, when you reach out, it's just, it's awesome. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs> <laughs>